Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? Welcome back to another edition of the 168 Podcast. Today, Jordan and I are going to be talking about what makes the Bible so attractive. Jordan, do you want to get us started? Yeah, so this is a the second episode in a series of episodes that we're doing where we're just talking about why even give our life to any of this, right? Like, so last time we talked about why Christianity, like what makes Christianity attractive? And ultimately the answer that we gave was Jesus. And so today we're looking a little bit more kind of in a more narrow way of what attracts us to the Bible or to scripture. And so maybe to kind of get us going on our conversation, I wanted to ask you and then I can share as well, like what, just kind of from your recollection, I mean, there could be multiple things for this, but like what is something about the Bible that has attracted you to it? Like that ma- that makes it something that you have gone to, you know, maybe the first time or keep going back to it. Like what is it about it that, yeah, that, that has been attractive to you? Uh, well, so there's two things with that that kind of go in tandem with one another. The first is that... Um, it's testimony. So I think everyone likes a really good story. I'm no different. And the Bible is littered full of firsthand accounts and stories that are written down about how God has interacted with his people and how he's done these amazing things. And the second thing that kind of ties into that is the history of the Bible and how much is actually tangible to us today. Um, especially in the way the Bible is written, it doesn't hide a lot of the faults of its you know, characters, which are goes to show that this is this is a historical book you know it shows us what happened and just the fact of being able to see like God's resume you know in written form and how he's done all these wonderful things and how he cares for his people that kind of you know naturally draws me to the Bible to read because um, you know those stories impact me today um, those events uh, help shape me um, and how I apply them to my life today. So um, those are just my two quick things. What about you, Jordan? I think the the historicity of it, the, the connection it has to history, that it's a an overall story that is within the context of history. It's not just a like a mythical legend and it's detached from like the story I know about human life. It actually has a lot of intertwinings into it. And so I think that's one thing that makes it captivating because it's, I've always been captivated, captivated with history. And so to see where this story that has to do with my faith and and the God that I believe in, like intertwine with it has all the more interest, I think to me, because it gives a fuller breadth of color to history in that sense. It it gives some details that, uh, uh, a narrative of history that doesn't have that would have those things missing from it. And so I think that's one thing for me that's, that's interesting. The second thing I think, and and I don't think I really would have, I wouldn't have said this when I was younger for sure, but the older I got, especially more into like college and grad school, the, the way that scripture, anytime I end up trying to deal with something in my life where like, I have a question about like the broader or deeper meaning of life or, what is my life? What is human life? Like, you know, what's our purpose? All that kind of stuff. When I start to ask those questions, 
the Bible always has something that intertwines with that. And for me, that's always been interesting that it, it has a metaphysical structure that, you know, has an overarching story or structure or, or perception of life that gives some sense to the things that I'm asking about. And so for me, that's been one thing that's captivating that it's, again, it's not just sort of like this fairy tale thing that has nothing to do with my life. Like it actually has details that pertain to the things that I'm actually asking that I find meaningful in my life as well. So that, that would be my other uh, reason. But yeah, I think we haven't even mentioned this yet, but those are just like some details of why they're attracted to us, attractive to us, or why the Bible is attractive to us. But ultimately I think the same answer comes down to Jesus again for this, just like it did for Christianity. Like why is the Bible attractive? Why is scripture attractive? It's Jesus. If you don't have Jesus as part of the story, I'm not sure our answers probably make any sense. Like it, it might give some like good wisdom or that kind of yeah, stuff or like still be waiting for a, a better revelation. It wouldn't be as like, weighty is probably the best way that I can think to say it. But yeah, Jesus is ultimately like why scripture or the Bible is attractive to any person because Jesus is the one who is captivating to all people. And we, we talked about this last time, right? N.T. Wright, I think is the one he's a, he's a, scholar, but biblical historian in the UK who has probably more recently popularized the idea of how Jesus is the climax or the, the crescendo, if you will, of the broad biblical story. Like all of the biblical story leads up to Jesus and then it leads away from him. Like you can't talk about the biblical story without getting to Jesus. Like that's what everything revolves around. Like he is the, the center of that story. And, so yeah, like Jesus is is the attractive you know thing of of why Scripture means anything to anybody. Especially, I think for me, like the stuff even I was saying about the metaphysical stuff or like the what makes life meaningful thing. It all comes back to Jesus showing that in his life. Ultimately, like he's the the flesh and blood color of of the questions that I'm asking. Um, you want to touch base on the it's about Jesus part. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, all the things we've mentioned so far, like Jesus is the ultimate, you know, end all be all of the history, you know, of the story that we're talking about. And kind of what I mentioned uh, just a second ago is, you know, without Jesus, like what Jordan was saying, I, I feel like I would have to be waiting for a better revelation because so much of it is setting up, um, you know, well, I mean, he promises a Messiah and jesus is that messiah maybe not the one we were expecting but um all like the testimony and the history um it's it just when it comes to jesus i'm just grateful that those things are tied to him as well like it gives me a really firm foundation in my faith to know that people have testimony regarding him people have a history um with him you know things are written down like even like what we're doing in youth group and looking at acts and you know, how Jesus ministered to people after he was risen from life for 40 days and stuff like that. Um, I'm kind of jumbled in my thoughts, but Jesus is kind of the the pinnacle of the history and the testimony of the Bible that I like so much because, you know, of who he is and who people claim him to be changes everything. So that's kind of a sloppy answer, but... Um, yeah, one thing I would probably add is just looking again at Jesus being the climax of the story. Like you can see this all throughout, right? Like if you go back to the beginning, 
in creation, we see how we are made in the image of God. In Colossians 1, Paul writes about how Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So you have not Jesus doesn't really show up till later in the biblical narrative, but Paul is basically saying like the image that you were made in, Jesus is that, but Jesus is God. So like it all goes back to the beginning, which is looking forward to Jesus. Like it all revolves around Jesus just within that, that one concept there. And Jesus, as I already, I think I've mentioned, like shows us the lived out reality of God's word or God's truth. Um, he is like the, the, the color version of that, like the, um, the fuller vibrant um, revelation that we have from God. Like if you want to see the clearest version of what God uh, wants us to know, like it looks like what Jesus reveals to us and then through his life. And then like, even with when Adam and Eve with that part of the story where, where sin comes into the picture, like the life of Jesus. And also when you see this in the life of Jesus, when he's on earth, like his life and the life and the relationship that he has with his heavenly father and the sinlessness of his life, like the perfection of his life, shows us how far we have disconnected from Jesus. So as we're, as you read through scripture and your Jesus hasn't shown up yet, you see just how messed up humanity is. And you can start to see, I think maybe if you haven't said this yet already, we talked about it earlier about how you start to see your own yeah. issues show up there, right? Like, Oh, like I'm kind of prideful like that person, or I would want to like hurt that person like that person did. Or like, you can start to see, the the ways in which we are disconnected from God and Jesus life shows us all the more clear how far disconnected that we are. So again, it points back to Jesus. Like you don't really see the fullness of that until you see the life of Jesus. Then it's like, bam, like, oh yeah, we're really off the mark here. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is relatable and I think that's the final point. Like I think a modern day temptation can be thinking that just because, you know, something's older it's less useful or it's not as reliable well if that's true then we wouldn't keep our parents or our grandparents around but they've clearly been formational in our lives so we keep them around because they're good teachers right um well like jordan's saying you know through the life of jesus and his ministry and then through our own study of the bible we see that you know human beings are really not different today than they were in whatever bc in like the ancient near east or whatever um ad in roman history or something like that um and uh i mean especially the new testament writings after jesus is uh, ascended into heaven i mean it's relatable in the sense that you know paul is writing to the church in galatia but in a way he's also really writing to us as well it's written for us uh, we're christians in a church, you know, we are called to examine our lives, uh, and we still get interaction um, with the apostles in that way in this modern day, which I think is really cool. So that's just another reason why it's uh, the Bible's pretty cool. Bud, buddy, <laughs> thank you. He's a good boy. <clears throat> so before we start recording, one of the things we were going to touch on is some of the arguments that counter why the Bible would be attractive. And I think just for the sake of time, uh, I think we'll kind of broadly answer this and then maybe kind of rapid fire, just our quick answers to some of the objections. So like, you know, I think most of us could probably think of someone in our life or something that we've heard before where it's like, well, why would I care about the Bible? Like it's a fill in the blank. Like it's unreliable. It's this, it's that, whatever. And I think some of the, unattractiveness of the Bible, like meaning like the, especially when we're talking about like the codified, like 
book version or whatever and like the text if you will is i think a lot of times we're wanting that text to have the same weight as the person that it's pointing toward but the text is human beings that god used to write out stuff it's it's history it's real life situations like it is inspired by god like it does have that but it does include all a lot of the foibles and stuff of people as well but ultimately it's a testimony pointing toward jesus that's ultimately what it's about yeah. And so Jesus is ultimately the takeaway that we have of, of that, that Jesus is why scripture is meaningful for us. Like if you take Jesus out of it, it's not going to be, we wouldn't look at it as scripture. We wouldn't look at it as a holy book. We wouldn't look at it as authoritative or anything like that. It would just be a book. Jesus is the thing that sets it apart. So if you can't critique Jesus, it's like the, he's, He's the one that gives it authority and all that kind of stuff. And so to me, like if Jesus is the one you find attractive, then you're going to, and, and the Bible is what points us to that. Then that's where we find the attractiveness in scripture. It's not that it's just like the best written story ever or anything like that. Like it's not intended to be that kind of a, a product, if you will. It's intended to point you to Jesus, who is the ultimate meaningfulness that we could ever connect ourselves to. At least that's one way I would, I would describe it. Do you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, I mean, some people look at the Bible and they, they think it's ugly. And, I mean, the reality is a lot of it is because the Bible is a story about people and human beings, and human beings are ugly. I think if Jesus wrote the entire Bible in a first-person way and wrote it about himself and was just testimony about himself, no one would believe it. But because we have overwhelmingly, like an overwhelming amount of people like me and Jordan who are like, no, this guy is real. Like, you know, like we're messed up, and he is the ultimate fulfillment of everything that's come before. I think that's ultimately what matters. Um, so, yeah. So some of the the objections that that we were thinking of beforehand were, and, and you kind of touched on some of this already. Is just like parts of the Bible seem like so unJesus like. Like some of this comes back to a lot of people say like. Like the Old Testament, what do you do with all this stuff that seems very un-Jesus-like? Like, that's that's kind of one thing. Uh, so if it's about Jesus, what do you do with those parts of it? And, again, I think there's a lot more nuance that could go into an answer for this. But I think one way in which it still – it seems weird to say this is attractive, but, like, it shows us how far disconnected we have become from God. And right. so, again, you see your own life in that in that sense – but it also shines a light so much more on Jesus on how he is so different than the like over and against squabbles and war and all that stuff that you see throughout the Old Testament. Like Jesus just shines night and day different from that reality. Like that's not the, the ideal. Jesus is the ideal. And I think Jesus in his own teaching goes over that himself when he talks about, well, Moses permitted you to have divorce because your hearts were hard. Um, a lot of the Old Testament, like, there isn't an endorsement by God for a particular behavior. There was a regulation that happened of behaviors that were happening all around the world at the time. Um, like divorce was one of them. Slavery was another. But it was regulated in a way that made Israel stand out as much more gracious and merciful than any other place around them or any other people group that was around them. Um, it kind of goes back to that, you know, the Bible's a historical book as well. We need to get into the minds of, you know, or not the minds, but into the, the date of when things were written. And it kind of shows just how much work God was doing, but 
ultimately um, we were only ready for so much. And to Jordan's point, that's kind of shows how far we've fallen and also how God has been able to take us from there to where we are today and then where he's taking us today into the future. So, so another objection that we mentioned or thought of, I guess, was just the idea of like if someone approaches the Bible as just like a book of morals and like I tried it and it didn't work, like well, I forgave that person, it blew up in my face, or I tried to be nice to them and it just came back and you know didn't go well for me or something like that. And I can see why that would be leave someone feeling like, well, it's it's a pointless book or something. Like I tried the stuff it says and it doesn't work. I think ultimately like that that comes back to like it, the Bible does contain morals, but it's not just a book of morals. Again, ultimately it points to the life of Jesus and about and about his life. And it's, so it's not just this like indexed manual of morals. Like you look up like, what do I do in this situation? Like it does include things about that and, and things that we deal with in regular life. So like those things are there. So don't hear me not saying that, but ultimately it's pointing toward Jesus and the disconnect or connect that we have or don't have with with him, with God, like, is our life connected or not connected with God? Ultimately, that's really what it comes down to. And it's a book to show us who Jesus is and how far disconnected we are from God and how we need to be reunited to him. And if we have life in him, he can show us how to live the life that we're longing to have, which would include those morals and all those things like that. But that's probably more of like a secondary thing if you're looking at like the overall purpose of it. Another thing that, that we mentioned where like some people would say like, what about the miracles? Like it has all these sort of fantastical things that happen in it that doesn't seem to happen today. Or some people would say that like, what do we do with that? Do you want to tackle that one? Um, well, the first question is how hard are you looking for those kinds of things today, which a lot of people aren't on the lookout for miraculous things that happen. But in, in my opinion, and um, I think just based on, on testimony and, um, you know, real, real events that have happened. I mean, I think miracles do happen. Um, and you know, all, something that Frank Turek, who's a Christian apologist says is that, you know, we live in one of the greatest miracles of all time, which is the creation of the universe out of nothing. Basically the fact that we have life is an incredible blessing and we live in that every single day. Um, I mean, Christians experience miraculous transformation through Jesus Christ and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, that that is supernatural power at work. I mean, it's again, it's it's almost like what the Bible says about the Jews wanting someone to overthrow the Romans and that kind of thing. It might not be what we expect of God, but, you know, like what Jordan was talking about, it's not about getting results from the Bible or living a certain way. It's about being transformed into the image of Christ. It's not about getting what we want out of the Bible. It's about becoming the very person that God wants us and intended us to be from the very beginning. And quite frankly, if you study the history and you look at where you are in Christ today and how you've changed, you'll see a miracle. The fact that a sinner like you could change as much as you have. And it's not based off of what you've done, but it's God's miraculous power of his spirit working through you. So yeah, one other thing I would probably add is that as you look at the progression from the gospels into like early church history, there does seem to be like a kind of crescendo of miraculous activity. And maybe it sort of drifts off a little bit. One of the things I think you see is that 
miracles, I mean, you see this a lot in Jesus life in general, like the miracles validated the revelation that he was giving. And I think you see some of the same dynamic going on with his apostles post him ascending um, into heaven after his resurrection, that there wasn't any like unifying specific witness of who Jesus was. You had like all these people all over the place who, who were witnessing to who, who Jesus was and that he resurrected, but it wasn't in like some sort of codified central place. And so to validate that witness from those different people, miracles, I think a lot of times helped to do that. But once you had a more codified or central witness in what became scripture and what we know now as the Bible, there's, there is now a central witness of, right. of who Jesus is. And so there isn't necessarily the same validation that we need that maybe someone then did at least in a historical sense. The other thing I would say is even though like miracles happen like in Jesus time and, and with those apostles, they still were miracles that happened in a finite world. And so they're still limited in a sense. Like they still, death was still a reality for, for people who were healed or anything along those lines. And so it, it didn't do anything to necessarily like fix their eternality within the miracle itself. I mean, there's instances where Jesus offers forgiveness and that offers kind of a whole different um, reality to the, the situation, but everybody still had to face death and ultimately like eternal life was in being connected to the life of Jesus and then through the relationship that we have with our heavenly father through him. And so as much as like we're like fascinated with the miracles, like they aren't the end all be all. I think that we always give weight to in, in that sense. Um, so the, the last objection that, that we mentioned is just that the Bible is hard to understand. And I can get that from just a general sense. Like, yeah, cause it's not your average book that you would pick up. Like it's a lot of different books put together to make an overall book. So it's, it's very much like a chronicle in that sense. Um, but I think a lot of like the, what, what this comes down to is someone who says, well, I don't understand the Bible is like, what is it you're expecting to get out of it? Like, again, if you're approaching it from a, it's like this magic handbook that has like all these like detailed answers about your specific situation. Like it wasn't intended for that specifically. Not that there aren't principles that would pertain to your situation or not that there aren't things that weren't, wouldn't pertain to how you understand life in general. Like those things are there, but again, it's pointing to the life of Jesus and is your life like his or is it not like his? Like that's ultimately the, the overall point. And again, from there, then I think you, as we follow Jesus, we start to see how God's spirit does lead and guide us to see uh, the way that scripture does pertain to our daily life. But it's not just a sort of, oh, look it up that way and, and, and it works that way. So I, I get why people could say it's hard to understand. But I think one thing I would challenge with that is read the Bible, like whatever level you're at with it, read it from the perception that it all revolves around Jesus. So whether you're starting in Genesis or you're looking at Leviticus or you're looking at the history in the, in the Old Testament, always ask the question, like, what does this look like through the lens of the life of Jesus? Like one of the most helpful things I ever heard in, in, in Bible college was when one of my, my professors was saying, um, I think it's in Corinthians, yeah, it's Corinthians, I forget which chapter, where it talks about how Jesus is the wisdom of God. And his whole point was saying, like, when you read in Proverbs where it talks about wisdom is whatever, whatever description it gives, you can essentially say, like, Jesus is. Because if Jesus is the fullness of the wisdom of God, 
like he is wisdom itself, if you will. Like you could insert Jesus where you see wisdom in the Proverbs. So like there's just an example of where like it all revolves around Jesus. And that gives a whole different depth to what even the Proverbs are saying when you read it through that lens. So that, that would be my encouragement to, to someone, especially if you struggle with like the Old Testament, for sure. One place I would encourage you to look if, if, if you want to take this route is, um, oh, I'm blanking on the, the Bible now. There's a particular Bible that, I think it's called the Jesus-Centered Bible. I'll have to see if I can find, maybe put it in a note here when we post this. But pretty sure it's called the Jesus Center Bible. And what it does, it, it, some of you have probably seen like the Bibles that have the, the red letters that try to highlight like the words Jesus um, says. What this Bible does is they try to highlight in blue all throughout Scripture passages that seem to point to Jesus. Like So in the Old Testament, it always points to like this is where it's looking forward to Jesus. This is where it's looking forward to Jesus. And then I think on the back end, it's like it's always this is where it's pointing back to Jesus. Like So the whole thing is trying to portray like how the, the Bible as a whole is, is revolving around Jesus. So if that's something that interests you, I'd encourage you to check out that Bible just as a help or as a tool and a resource. You have any last things you want to add in here before we close up? All right. Hopefully this was helpful and, and encouraging for you to think about like why you uh, study the Bible, why you consider the Bible, why it's something that's authoritative in your life. I'm sure for most of you, if you're listening to this, like it, it does have that already for you, but um, maybe sometimes we struggle to be like, why do I pay attention to it? And I, hopefully this gives you some ways to think about how it is meaningful in your own life and maybe be an encouragement to how you talk about the Bible with, with people around you who maybe don't see it that way. So thank you for joining us for this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye everybody.